ladies and gentlemen, we're back for another episode of the Sing Second Podcast. Uh, this week, we kind of have maybe a, a little bit of a somber tone um, as we discuss the week eight of college football. Um, Mountain West and Big Ten were back in action. They had their first week, seven weeks after everybody else. Um, but shoot, the, the Big Ten couldn't take, uh, couldn't, couldn't stay healthy. We already had our first Big Ten cancellation. And so um, it'd be any, if there's anybody else, it'd be fine. But it's our beloved Nebraska Cornhuskers. Um, you know, we've grown accustomed to some crazy scores. And nothing goes better with those wild scores than some Nebraska land sponsored snacks. So make sure you have your set for not only this show, but for Saturday's slate. Um, last week, we, the Big Ten fell victim to this accustomed crazy score situation. We saw Indiana top Penn State. Rutgers won their first Big Ten game in like three years, and they beat Michigan State. They forced seven turnovers. Uh, and held Michigan State to six yards rushing on 38 attempts. And shoot, Northwestern, a team that didn't know the offensive side of the ball existed, uh, put up 35 points on Maryland. Uh, but before we jump too far into last week's games and previous this week's games, Danny, what's good? Short answer, nothing. Because you, you kind of just described it. Um, I, I I fell into a funk this this afternoon after getting the news about the about the Husker game getting canceled, you could kind of see it coming after hearing some of the news coming out of Wisconsin. But um, we talked about last week the excitement of of the Nebraska season starting, and I know we'll talk about the game. But I was actually pretty optimistic after the game, and um, when I when I heard the game was canceled for this coming weekend, uh, it was probably like what late morning today on on Wednesday I kind of just shut down like believe it or not I have a normal kind of like preparation for this podcast throughout the week and I will admit that none of my paperwork or anything else that I do to prepare for this I uh, even made it home so I'm a little I'm upset um, I, I think it's depressing I think it just kind of is a sign of the times that, that things like this are going to happen and they, they have been happening, but it's our team and, and it's week two. So um, sad about that, but this segment is what's good. So I'm going to tell you what's good. Brand and I have kind of had a conversation over the past, like ongoing thing past several years where we think the Super Bowl should be on a weekend every year. Am I right with that, Brandon? Absolutely. And I also think, and I don't know if I've mentioned this to you, but Halloween should always should be like the last Friday or Saturday of October. Um, I think it's ridiculous that, that Halloween is not always on a weekend. Easter and uh, Thanksgiving have their day. Why not yeah. Halloween? And it, it's just the holiday of Halloween lends itself to a weekend, like a Tuesday Halloween, not fun. Um, but we, we've been waiting for several years for the old, uh, the old Saturday Halloween. So that is what's good, fellas, is that finally um, Halloween has hit the weekend. Uh, not that I have anything like amazing to do, but I just think it's kind of cool when your kids are going to be all hopped up on candy and everything to, to let them sleep in a little bit the next day. So I am actually looking forward to 
um, some light Halloween festivities on Saturday. I, I think, uh, given everything that's going on with, with, with COVID that you can probably do a little bit of trick or treating in a, in a responsible manner. And I plan to do that with my kids and, and enjoy a nice Saturday. I think the weather's supposed to be decent on Saturday. Uh, so that's, what's good guys. That's a little something to, to look forward to for the weekend. Kyle, you look like you maybe got something to add to the, to the comment there. Well, your, your Halloween statement kind of got to me because I think you're just kind of showing your age a little bit. I think if you, you rewind back to 23 year old Danny, when you're finishing up your sixth or seventh year of college, uh, a Wednesday Halloween is actually way better than a Saturday Halloween because if memory serves me right, if, if Halloween falls on a Wednesday, that means you get to celebrate it the weekend before Halloween on both Friday and Saturday. Then you take a couple of days off and you actually celebrate Halloween on Halloween. And then if those three days weren't enough, you had some of the people that would also celebrate the next Friday and Saturday, dressing up in a different costume every single time. I also think that, again, and, and you can kind of use, and Danny, you're, you're kind of an old school guy. You don't have like a, a Facebook or Instagram page or anything like that. But I've noticed the, uh, the type of pictures that I see flood my Facebook page on Halloween are also much, much different than they used to be uh, when I was in college. When I was in college, you'd, like obviously the costumes that most people wear are uh, very, very interesting to look at, very pleasing to the eye in most cases. Now my Facebook flooded with cutesy little kid pictures with uh, little dinosaurs or little lions and little stuff like that. And it, it's just a different theme for Halloween these days now that I'm so much older and mature. Oh, yeah. No, this is absolutely a 40-year-old uh, a me comment. I don't, I've never really been like a huge Halloween guy anyway, so this is definitely me like speaking from parents' perspective and would much rather have a, a weekend Halloween than a, than a weekday Halloween. So I'm, I'm trying to find, you know, something good about, about this week, and, and that was it. I mean, that's, that's what I got. Uh, Brandon, Brandon, you got anything, anything good? I got some stuff that's good. Uh, two kind of things, but for the same, for the same, it's for a college football team, actually. It's army football. They're good. They beat Mercer this weekend. That got them win number six. And they became the first college football team to accept their bowl invitation to the independence bowl and to be playing some soon to some time to be named Pac-12 team. Uh, so that's cool. And then also with Army, but with their sprint football team, uh, they played Navy on Sunday and grinded out a close game, seven to three. It was rainy and stuff. And uh, so that's cool. And then Army-Navy game being played at – at a uh, army for this year, so that way that uh, all the navy 
you know, midshipmen, students. And then the Army Knights, uh, their students can all be there and, and all watch the game. So some kind of cool stuff on the Army football front, I thought. That's good. Can I, so, so does this call, you know, the bull berth automatically go to an Armed Forces team? And so you're just saying that they've got six wins, so they're automatically in? Like, how does that work? This, they've never had a tie-in before. So like a few years ago when they were 10 and two or whatever, and they weren't sure that they were going to make a bowl game. They thought their Navy game was going to be their last game. They ended up getting a later bowl bid uh, to where they played Houston. And so the uh, independence bowl made a deal with if army was bowl eligible in uh, 2020 in 2022 and 2024, I believe uh, then they could get into that and so they finished and the independence bowl called and said hey you're bowl eligible if you want in and then army said we're in so so kind of cool for them and i know you mentioned the sprint football before and i may not have been paying that close attention but refresh me and the listeners what is the sprint football so sprint football is a league of college football consisting primarily of Ivy league schools and military academies. And because if you, if you go to army, you have to participate in a sport or whatever kind of activity. So obviously not everybody is going to be a FBS football player, you know, that kind of, that kind of issue. So they, uh, have they have this league of sprint football, 178 pounds or less, I believe, and they they weigh in like three times a week, so it's kind of like football meets wrestling, I guess. And then uh, there's also, I believe, I can't remember if it's 65 or 66 player limit, so you can't have a roster bigger than that. And they just play each other. And the Ivy League, obviously, they canceled all of their games for sprint football but they said you know what army navy you two can play if you want to army won. army actually beat navy in a rematch last year for the national championship so i'm kind of crowning army as the unofficial back-to-back national champions of sprint football as they uh finish both teams spread it out in that sprint spread it out in that sprint league i was a little bit surprised saw a lot of a lot of shotgun we go ahead and call them world champions. Might as well. Might as well. Our army's the world champions once again. Our army is. Kyle, what's good with you? Uh, I've been trying to think about how I wanted to say this, but I guess what's good is is us being the superior species on this planet. I don't know. Uh, today, I had the the unfortunate duty of taking my my eight-month-old puppy uh, to the vet to, to get fixed. And I just got to thinking to myself, like, how cruel am I to, to put this poor guy through it? And now, I know there's health benefits down the line. Like, it actually helps him live a, a happier and health, healthier life. But uh, I, I'm just glad that it was me taking him to the vet and not the other way around because – 
Uh, I took him there at about 8.30, picked him up at about 3. And he's still a little out of it, still trying to get used to it. Uh, but, and this is to me the funniest part, uh, as I was picking him up, uh, the vet was kind of telling me some different things to look out for. Um, but she told me he was very well endowed, so he might be a little bit more sore than, than usual. So I guess that's good for him too. Like, good, good on him, right? He'll have he'll always have the glory days. <laughs> no, I was kind of su- surprised when she told me that. I was like, huh, maybe, maybe I took something away from him that maybe I shouldn't have. What if she tells that to every dog owner? <laughs> it's kind of like when I go in for my physical. As long as they make me feel good about myself, I I think we're okay. <laughs> Jeez, this this thing's off the rails already. Uh, yep. So Andy, what's what's good with you? Wait, that that's it. Like that's the best <laughs> thing going on in your life right now, Kyle, is that you uh, spayed and neutered your pet? Yeah, just as Bob Barker would want me to do. <laughs> so yeah, it, there are health benefits, and there are benefits for just society in general, as Bob Barker uh, used to ask everyone to do. So it's, it's no. a civic duty you've done as well. Do you know why Bob Barker used to say that? No. And this might be more legend than truth, but uh, I had heard that he had some sort of background with uh, some of the Native American Indian reservations that are up by me, like the Pine Ridge and Rosebud. Where is that again? Like where you're Uh, from? uh, Yeah, actually just a little bit north of that. (laughs) Anyways. They have a, a large, like, wild dog population of, like, people who just turn their pets loose and stuff. And so I'd always heard, and this might just be legend around from where I live, but that's why he would say every single day to spade and neuter your animals because of some experiences he had uh, with, like, a wild dog population. That sounds Jeez. far-fetched. Like, they, someone from up northern Nebraska would say, hey – Bob Barker. You it wouldn't live be northern Nebraska. It would be southern South Dakota. Sorry. And his last name's Barker. Hey, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a Happy Gilmore like tie into this about animals and stuff, but I can't think of one. He had a run in with wild dogs. He had a run in with Adam Sandler. I don't know. Oh, I. I was going to say, what does Adam Sandler have to do with anything? Yeah, I remember Bob Barker was in uh, Happy Gilmore. That's actually a movie I've seen more than one time, guys. I'm with you now. Price is wrong, Bobby. Yep. Probably didn't say Bobby there, but... He didn't say Bobby. He (laughs) said an inappropriate word. But thank you for... I'm glad we have limits on this podcast where we at least wouldn't use foul language. Yeah. Some of our topics may get a little skewy, but there's a line somewhere. I just hope when when uh, Brandon puts us up on iTunes, he mentions like dog neutering and the little uh, <laughs> little summary. I'm working. Should we move on? <laughs> yeah, Danny, you're the one that keeps bringing this back. I asked Andy what what was good ten minutes ago. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so uh, I don't think I over can to you, Andy. <laughs> I could. I don't think I can top dog neutering, um, but. As I've 
kind of grown and this podcast has grown a little bit, I've realized I watch a lot of useless football and maybe not useless to the parents of those players who play, um, but to maybe some of my colleagues who may watch one, two, three big games on Saturday and not the, the 10 screens with, with a little bit of knowledge of each team. But there's a, there's a football conference that comes back this next week. I'm so excited because every Wednesday, the Maction will play all 12 or all six games um, on Wednesday, as it looks like for the foreseeable future. And again, I've always watched the Maction, whether it was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday growing up, and it's always mediocre football at best. And so um, that's one what's good. The second what's good, kind of along the same lines of useless football, some of the group of five teams are really, really good. Uh, Marshall, BYU, we talked a little bit about. Boise looked good coming back. Danny's favorite team, Coastal Carolina. Okay. Go chance. In the old Cincinnati Bearcats. So, for, you know, what it's worth, there may be a couple of teams that have, a, have an argument to maybe be in that New Year's Six Bowl range that I think actually are pretty darn good this year. So, it's kind of fun to see not just an Appalachian State or not just UCF, but having a five or six uh, team group there that can kind of all fight together to – to sneak in to one of those good New Year's Six Bowls that's not maybe just that non-five uh, school. And it, a couple of them aren't like fluky, like, oh, they're having a pretty good season. A couple of them, you know, were steady last year, steady again this year. So it's it, it seems to be maybe they have a little staying power too. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, moving forward into last week's slate – uh, we had five games to vote or to, to pick with the addition of the Nebraska Cornhuskers as our weekly pick. Uh, Danny and Kyle did not have stellar weeks. They, they both went two and three. Brandon went three and two. And yours truly went four and one. And so I really feel like I'm hitting my stride once the, the big dogs start rolling back in. Uh, that brings our overall record. Danny is solely in fourth place still. <laughs> At 13 and 14. I'm not hitting my stride as the big dogs come back in <laughs> or whatever no. that was. Brandon is now in sole possession of third place at 16 and 11. I am in second place at 17 and 10. And Kyle tried to give up the lead, um, but he still has a two-game lead at 19 and 8 for first place uh, going into week nine. Uh, we all lost the Wyoming-Nevada game. Um Early in the week, Brandon even told me I, he'd read some place he probably should pick Nevada, but none of us did. We all picked Wyoming. Uh, Oklahoma State beat Iowa State, not by three and a half, not by four, by three. And uh, so I was happy to see Oklahoma State win, but not as happy as I probably could have been. Uh, Cincinnati walloped SMU. Michigan had a strong showing against Minnesota um, after that first series of block punts. And then to cap it off, Ohio State did end up being Nebraska. And so just to start this off, uh, Kyle, I'm going to come to you first because you guaranteed you're going to watch at least one game start to finish last week. It was this Ohio State-Nebraska game. You know, what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I think we almost have to give Brandon some credit. He wasn't completely right, but if memory serves me correct, he uh, – he predicted uh, Luke McCaffrey 80-yard touchdown to start the game. 
wasn't a touchdown and it wasn't 80 yards, but Luke McCaffrey did have a 40-yard run down the left sideline that uh, set up the Huskers' first touchdown, which I thought was kind of a premonition that made me feel pretty confident in uh, my Nebraska pick. Uh, obviously, when you're dealing with Ohio State, you're dealing with one of the best teams in the country. Um, and it, it's kind of a loser's lament when you start talking about and looking for good things in a, a 30-point loss. But, God, I, I think I think the Huskers actually look pretty well, look pretty good. Uh, I, I'm assuming we could really get into the, the targeting penalties and – that bogus face mask call right before the the first half ended that kind of felt like it, it led to the loss of the game or it just kind of getting out of control on us. But, no, I, I like the way they looked. A um, couple of things that I wanted to see was our offensive line, can could they hold up uh, against a, a top-notch defensive line? And, obviously, Ohio State's not as good as they were last year up there, but I thought the offensive line held up pretty well. Uh, I thought our, our defense looked like they were willing to fly around the ball. And if, if nothing else, uh, they seem really physical. Uh, the only thing that I didn't see that I was hoping for was somebody else not named Wandell Robinson being a threat to, to make a big play. And I guess if you want to count our backup quarterback, the, the Huskers version of Taysom Hill, if, if you say – um, we're, we're still really limited on the offensive playmaker side. And, and that's even more apparent when you compare to how just many guys that Ohio State throw at you. But overall, I was pretty excited to play Wisconsin this week. Unfortunately, that's not happening. <laughs> only, the only thing I – like, I've actually been thinking about it ever since before the game even started is that I'm still baffled by Kyle, Kyle's belief that Nebraska was going to win. And I, I could have, like, my own separate interview with, with Kyle about it. But, like, when you, say, when you said Nebraska is going to win the game, is that you actually believing, like, when I look at everything, Nebraska is the better team and they're going to win this game? Or is this just I can't say because Nebraska is my team, I can't say that I don't think they're going to win? Well, obviously, I knew it was going to be an uphill climb. Like, you're playing legitimately, uh, I thought, either the best team or second-best team in the country last year. They still have their starting quarterback, who's probably going to be a, a Heisman finalist. Like, I knew it was going to be an uphill climb. But, like I said last week, I, I'm i not going to go into a season predicting my favorite team to start 0-1. And, like I said, uh, I don't know if I should ever oh, gamble. You're saying on you just didn't. You don't want to pick against them. Well, that's part of it, but I won't. I don't have a problem picking against them in other times. But you can't tell me when it was fourteen to fourteen, you started seeing yourself getting pretty excited. Did you not? Like, how could you? Like, with that first offensive drive, as we just just kind of manhandled them down the field not a single part of you got yourself thinking, well, oh, man, if, if this keeps going the way it is, not, none of, not an ounce of your body started thinking about it maybe? I mean, obviously there's always a chance you can win. I'm talking about your initial prediction. Like, 
I guess it was probably – I, I believe that Nebraska is going to win this game or just I, I don't want to say that I don't think they're going to win. No, my pick was more based on hope than than reason. But like I said, I, I'll, I'll always pick them to go 1-0 and because you never know what, what they're going to have. Like I honestly thought, and I think it, it showed uh, early on, I think that playing in an empty stadium for the first time uh, I think affected both teams, like where you're trying to to make your own momentum. I bet the sidelines are a lot more active now than I guess maybe they would be in a normal year, just in terms of the coaches trying to get them fired up and into the game. But, no, I I stand by my pick because if I would have been right, how awesome would that have been? If, if Nebraska would have won, I would have – just been here for the entire amount of this podcast, probably the whole week at school, just being like, how, how could you not pick your team? Uh, I actually, I have a couple of questions. One is for Brandon uh, talking. He talked about last week, what he wanted to see out of our offense? So after seeing him for a game, Brandon, what are your, what are your thoughts? I wanted to see the screen game get going. I, that was a big thing last year. You know, I talked about last week, too. And I wanted to see production out of the running back position. You know, we had all sorts of rushing yards from, you know, the quarterbacks. And granted, one of them took the ball from a skilled position, you know, point of view. But that that's kind of what I wanted to see. And I wanted to see like the fewer self-inflicted wounds, you know, the, you know, the drop snaps, the, um, I don't know, you know, the, the delay of game. Yeah. The turnovers, those kind of things were disheartening for me to see. I mean, it right at the end of the half, we have all the momentum in the world, you know, and that, well, even when we got the ball the second drive, was that the one where Martinez came out because of the visor? Yeah. And it seemed like, man, we got these guys on the ropes. Okay, now McCaffrey's in getting it up. We have a drop. Oh, okay, wow. Second second and long. And second and I was, long. I was about to tell – I was like had my phone in my hand to text you guys when Martinez came out with the helmet issue. Uh, and I was texting – this is the moment where McCaffrey just overtakes him. Like he's going to lead us to a touchdown and we're, it's never going to be Martinez again. And then didn't he, didn't he fumble like right after that? I yeah. Under center. Yep. Yeah. I think he got stepped on or something. He just fell backwards. I always thought it was weird that I, and I, I asked somebody, and it might have been the second quarter. I'm like, how many has, – has Mills even, like, carried the ball yet? And I think it was the second quarter before he got his second carry, which I thought that was a little odd, but I guess I wasn't playing – paying close enough to attention to kind of have it figured out why that was the case. Like, what, what was going on with our offense that our starting running back was only getting the ball for the second time in the second quarter? I feel a little nah. bit – some of that was from the circumstances, you know, where because we got in the long situation on the second drive, uh, then we weren't going to utilize them. Then at the end of the of the half, you know, um, we just didn't – I don't know. It's kind of one of those games, you know, sometimes where it's like, why didn't you run the ball more? And then it's like, 
because we ended up doing something that put us in a situation where we couldn't run the ball is kind of what I would imagine they would have liked to have done it more. But I think they just, that was the situation we're in. Well, the the announcers made a couple of references to it. Uh, Jeff Halfley, who was the head, who's the head coach at Boston College now, was the D coordinator at Ohio State last year. And they're running the same defense with whoever their new D coordinator is. Um, Jeff Halfley admitted like numerous times that the quarterback run is really tough to stop with how they play defense, with whether it's how they um, put guys in the box versus uh, how they, you know, align to trips versus, you know, doubles or something like that. And so that's why I feel like you saw a lot more quarterback run with Martinez or with McCaffrey simply for the fact of it gave you an extra blocker and an extra ball carrier. So you weren't playing 10 on 11. And so uh, they, they alluded that a few times, but to have your running back who everybody was hoping to see hit 1,200 12, yards, geez, 12,000 yards, 1,200 yards, um, have what, 12 carries for the whole game. And like you said, Danny, his second carry came in the second quarter, something like that. And no, it's just, the creativity was cool to see the two quarterback system, but at the same time, it kind of takes you and a lot of your offense out of rhythm. And it'll be interesting to see what that next step looks like. Yeah, I mean, I, I was not disappointed in our offense at all. I, I thought our offense looked pretty good. I wasn't necessarily diff- disappointed in our defense. Uh, this, this was definitely a game that just got me more excited to see uh, Nebraska take on Wisconsin. And that would, uh, be another reason why today's news was was so depressing. But um, I can, I'll say my other thought on the game or just question for, for a bit if uh, any of you guys have comments just in general on the Huskers. Well, I have just a couple of questions for you. First one, and and I know if we go back to the, the semifinals last year, it's going to be kind of a reoccurring theme. But – what do you guys think about the two targeting penalties that not only got two got uh, two of our defensive backs ejected last week, but will now, I guess, does the Wyoming game still count for their suspension or now are they suspended for the first half of their next game? Like, it, what do you it think carries about? to the next game, they said yeah. today. So, <clears throat> like, obviously they're, they're trying to take some, some of the, the major hits out, but – when you slow those down, like you could tell, like they have been taught to play un- unrelentlessly physical, but both of those are, are shoulder hits to chest with very little helmet to helmet contact. Like obviously this is this is a Husker fan talking, but like those hits weren't I, I didn't think to the head. That second one, the only problem I have with either of them, the second one kind of seemed like unnecessary. Like he was kind of going down and he was in a good spot. And then he just kind of like, like kind of almost gave him a little headbutt at the end. It was like, just escort him down like anybody else. Don't just dive your head in there late and then you're, you're totally fine. So it just seemed like it's especially when you slow it down, it looks 10 times worse than it actually is live, but it just seemed unnecessary. The first one, I mean, 
I kind of agree with you, Kyle. It's the it's nice to see kind of that black shirt mentality of flying around, running through people. Um, if anything, that first one was more on fields for leaving his receiver out to dry, yeah. more than a de- defender going through the ball, going through the defender to separate it. Well, and that safety, uh, I forget his name. Was it Williams? Yeah. Deontay Williams. Williams. Yeah, he got two targeting penalties. The first one they, they brought back, and the second one to me was the exact same hit. And I'll tell you, and, and I, shoot, I don't know, if, if, if that guy's flying around like that, like you got to think that receivers are have watched the film he's already put on tape, and maybe maybe those routes across the middle, they're, they're not going to be flying across quite as fast because – those are some of the hardest hits. And shoot, the first one where they called him on it and then took him away, like he knocked that that guy out of the game and he fumbled and luckily our guy was right there to scoop it up. Like that was a huge play and they said, hey, we were wrong. It's not targeting. It's Nebraska's ball. And then the next time it seemed like an even harder hit. And like that was the one where I think, Ryan Day even threw a flag on there. Like, every time you'd look a second later, another flag would be on the field. And then another flag would be on the field. I think all 12 officials threw their flags, and it was just unreal. That was like one a couple weeks ago. I think I texted you you guys about it. It was almost like a Saturday Night Live skit. How many flags could possibly be um, sitting around in in referees' pockets? It's just a a barrage of of flags thrown out there. I – like, I get that it's a problem. I get that you got to be strict with penalties. Um, I think it's good that they review it on the field, although I have no idea, like, what they're actually looking for when they take the time to review it. And sometimes they're booting dudes, and sometimes they're taking it back. I think the biggest problem I have with all of it, and this is something that I remember we talked about last winter, was that it penalizes you multiple times for one infraction you get the pen the yards on the field your dude gets kicked out um then that guy can't play for the first half of the next game i just feel like you need to you need to deal with it hand out whatever the consequence is but it shouldn't be you know a a triple consequence for one thing um go ahead I just – I kind of agree with you right there, Danny, the, just the multiple, 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 because there's a reason why that guy's in there, uh, you know, in that in that situation, he's usually pretty good. Your backup's not going to be as good. Well, now you've got 40 plays left with your backup in there. You're being punished every time. Now, but like in the NFL, back in the day, um, when guys would get fined and fined and that keep increasing, like if that guy's a dirty player, that's one thing. But these college guys aren't usually malicious enough to, you know, they get kicked out and all of a sudden you see the real emotions come out about, oh, shoot, I love playing this game so much and you just took it away from me because in a split second I went up instead of down or, you know, I didn't bring my hands or the guy came at a different angle. Like a lot of times it's not – I mean, it's a split-second reaction and it's not planned. Like, you see some of the old spears in the NFL where guys would drop their head on purpose. Yep, because they know know what the punishment's going to be. It's that game. It's part of the next game. We're talking about a Big Ten season that's, you know, at least seven games at the most now. So these guys want every opportunity they can have to be on the field. And and it is definitely an an emotional thing. (laughs) 
for those guys. And um, I don't know. I think you gotta you gotta pick your penalty or pick your consequence. And and I think there there are a number of solutions. Review it this week and decide if he really should be sitting out in our next game. Um, give him the penalty on the field. Let him continue the game. Review it. If it really was a malicious thing, then sit him out for the next game. But I just think it's you're, you're piling on somebody that already knows they made a pretty big mistake and not only hurting them, but then hurting the entire team in multiple ways, which I think is, is the part that if you're going to fix something probably needs to get fixed. Then I have one more question and maybe it, maybe it goes more to, to Brandon and Andy since they're the more of this schematic guys. I don't know. Why can Nebraska ever stop Ohio State? Like, obviously, Ohio State's one of the, the premier programs in the country. But if you look at the last two games at Memorial Stadium, the last game that was at, like, they're scoring touchdowns on 75% of their drives against Nebraska in the last, what, five or six matchups? And that might be a conservative number. Like, what is it? Because obviously they're not scoring 70 points on everybody, but somehow Nebraska, who's not where we were in the 90s, but not a slouch, and they're continuing to score on us, not just field goals, but touchdowns every drive. I feel like a lot of it's been our pass rush. Um, that's kind of been the cop-out answer for a few years now. Um, the, the run game has been – or the defensive line run-wise was a lot better yesterday. But we'd get them in third and 12, third and 15. Well, then there's going to be either they'd get 15 yards or first down on that third down play or the, uh, they'd get fourth and seven. You know that was a guarantee conversion if they, if they went for it. And so I think – having fields be able to just stay on a spot and yeah, we covered well, but you can't cover for five, six, seven, eight seconds against a top wide receiver core that Ohio state may have. Um, and so we fix one solution, but then the second problem kind of becomes more glaring. I think, um, that obviously pass rush and then, um, it seems like they always have a quarterback who when there's when there's respect given between the defensive backs and the and the receivers and there's that extra cushion in there because you're trying not to give up maybe the big play, you know, and you're trying to contain it a little bit. Uh, this guy was just good at knowing where the grass was gonna be and throwing throwing to the open grass on the field. And he was just Real precise. You just try it, you know. I don't know. Just it's seems like a lot of times when uh, teams have that cushion in there, you know, and then if they try to bring pressure, sometimes they give a little more cushion. And then especially when a quarterback knows that there's that pressure coming, and then they it makes a real easy throw uh, for that to be, and then it sets you up in in a more manageable situations and. It's frustrating to watch, but I mean, we yeah, just don't. Know, we don't have the. I mean, that stuff was never an issue when, Indomik and Sue played. You know what I yeah. mean? Just, I mean, like think of the Texas game in that Big Twelve championship. The reason why they lost, the reason why there was 
one second left is because he got to uh, McCoy too fast. You know, if he would have taken a split second longer to get there, you know, he wouldn't have rushed that throw and he would have held on to it a little longer and then it, it would have been no time. You know, it's just we were yeah. kind of spoiled with a lot of good defensive linemen for a long time and we just haven't found that next group. I would, I would say along, along similar lines, and this is as a very non-X's and O's, just a fan. I find myself uh, yearning for like a Levante David out there a lot. Just a dude that's going to make every tackle. If, if you're in his area, you're getting tackled. And I, I felt like as a pretty casual observer over the last several years, like our linebackers just, they just, they're not, they're not dominant. They're always kind of moving backwards. They're never just going to have some momentum going forward and, and just, and just make the tackle that, that has to be made two yards past the line of scrimmage. But um, you could probably say that almost about every every position group on our defense. I think we're just we're just overmatched right now. Um, but like I said, I wasn't I wasn't necessarily even disappointed in, in what I saw, which made me excited to see uh, to see us against Wisconsin. Who do we have in two weeks? Is that Northwestern? Yeah, yeah, they're going down. That's a win for us. Put me down for that already. Lock it up. Yep. Boom. All right. Uh, any thoughts about the uh, canceled game for for Saturday, uh, Brandon? I know when we were setting this bad boy up, we talked about what's good. He's like, "Well, I've got a few things about what's bad." So go ahead, Brandon. Thoughts on Saturday? All right. So here's my deal with this whole thing. First of all, Kevin Warren. All right. The original freaking schedule had multiple days built in where we could accommodate this. And either you're too corrupt or you're too stupid at what you do. And either way, you're unfit to be a commissioner for a major conference. All right. You would, you would screw anything up and you should be ashamed. You should be gone. All right. Uh, second of all, Wisconsin's not even in the red right now. They're not even at the threshold. There's like six players that have this. And I would be willing to bet. I'd be willing to bet if they had six walk-on players that were never going to play who had who had COVID right now, they'd still be playing. Oh, but geez, now it's our quarterback. So the Big Ten didn't force Wisconsin to stop playing. They didn't do that. That was on, that was on Wisconsin. That's Paul Christ, coward. That's Barry Alvarez, coward. Barry Alvarez, don't even talk about your pride and you're proud to be from Nebraska. I shun you, man. I shun you out of here. It's ridiculous. So because Wisconsin wants to take the and, – and I'm just going to put it out here. The, I mean, I'm confident the reason why they're doing it is because they have no quarterbacks. It's not because it's COVID. It's because of the quarterback situation. And the whole thing with that is ridiculous. They chose to shut it down because they're under the quarantine. And now the Big Ten's like, well, yeah, we won't count it as a loss because we need Wisconsin and we need – Ohio State to be undefeated to have a chance at the playoffs, you know, and, and the whole thing's garbage. And Wisconsin fans, all of you out there who are talking smack about the Huskers and the Husker fans saying we were afraid of our schedule, now who's ducking who? You guys are over there ducking us. All you were going to do is just hand the ball off a million times anyway. Doesn't matter. And, and this whole – the whole situation really ticks me off. I'm irritated about it. To me, 
it's a loss for Wisconsin. It's a win for Nebraska. And that's all I got to, that's all I got to say left about it. So something just popped into my mind. Well, actually two things. One, I love that you just, uh, you just fired Kevin Warren and, uh, and called Paul Christ and uh, athletic director cowards. I love that. That's what they are. But the other thing is the Big Ten rule is that if you test positive, you're out 21 days, like no matter what. So it'll be interesting to see Wisconsin after after this week has Purdue and then then Michigan in the next two weeks. So what happens – who do they think they are? Nick Saban? They can just come back when they when they feel like it's okay to come back and not follow those rules? Jeez. Well, but to add to that, though, is they came out and said you had to have, what, like six games to qualify for the Big Ten Championship or something like that? Well, if they go by this rule, they're out for 21 days. If they miss two, that puts them at six right there. <laughs> then they may have to figure something out and call up some practice players or something like that. So that way they came in and field a team against Michigan or else it doesn't matter if they go five and oh, they don't have enough as many games to, to even qualify for the championship. I'm pretty sure I was reading somewhere right before we started that uh, because of this situation popped up, Everybody in Wisconsin and, and a couple of different people around the Big Ten uh, were showing or were trying to uh, maybe get them to reconsider that 21-day rule. So uh, I would assume that's already in the works to make sure. Uh, and I would assume they're going to use Nick Saban as an example on how he tested positive. And I think his actually came back as a false positive where – uh, Wisconsin's quarterback was confirmed, but I did read somewhere that uh, they were already kind of going to be talking to the Big Ten about um, whether or not that uh, 21-day rule is something that needs to be reconsidered. Yeah, and we we waited, or the Big Ten waited this long to be sure that they had everything figured out and all their ducks in a row, and now we get one week into the season and you know, thinking about maybe changing some things around. Like, how do we not have it figured out what the best way to proceed after watching all of these other sports and other leagues and, and other conferences already already been competing? And it goes back to Brandon's original point. Like, if, if we're planning on competing at some point and we already had some systems in place, why, why weren't we competing a month ago already? Like, what did the extra – two months really by the big 10 if we're right here in this in this spot right now it's frustrating i know i'm just this is my nebraska fan frustration coming out but uh i don't know i guess we're in a time where nothing really makes sense and and uh probably look forward to watching our huskers even more so that's that probably explains a lot of my um frustration and anger right now Any last thoughts before we move on to the games that will be playing uh, this weekend? Uh, so this weekend, our slate, we're back down to four games uh, with that, again, cancellation of the Nebraska-Wisconsin game. The first game uh, is a, our 11 o'clock game. 
Uh, of course, it's got to be Danny since he's going to enjoy that cup of coffee, get out of bed. Um, it's on ESPNU. It's his Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Uh, they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite at the Georgia State Panthers. I think they're the Panthers. Um, Danny, go ahead, take it away. Yeah, that's a roller coaster of emotions today in this uh, podcast recording because now that you mention Saturday morning and a cup of coffee in, in Coastal Carolina, now I'm back in it. Um, and you, you went with Chanticleers. Right. And not, so if you look at the pronunciations I saw on ESPN, it has like a S-H-A-N. Yeah. I, and that's what kind of what I've been trying to figure out this whole year. And I don't even think the announcers have it figured out because I've seen I've heard them say it um, all sorts of different ways. Chanticleer, I've heard. Chanticleer, of course. But I think the chants or the Chanticleer is uh, is the way to say it. But um Nope. I guess my Saturday opened up a little bit more. Maybe I cursed it. Maybe maybe last week when I was talking about how I kind of liked uh, enjoying college football without the Huskers playing. Uh, maybe I have uh, maybe I have some blame in this, but uh, there are a whole bunch of good games again at 11 a.m. Um, obviously, I've been talking about Coastal Carolina a lot. They've worked their way up uh, to 20th in the nation which is by far in Division One the, the highest they've ever been. Uh, they're 5-0. They're and oh. I believe they're a favorite against Georgia State. Uh, but like I said earlier, I don't have my paperwork with me, so if anybody's got the, uh, I think, a three-point favorite, probably sounds accurate. Um, they had, had a little quarterback issue last week. Uh, starting quarterback was injured. Um, a guy named Peyton came in. Uh, filled in pretty nice. I think there's still some uncertainty who's going to be the starting quarterback, uh, but I don't really think it matters. I think they've got a good system in place, pretty steady offense. Um, so if you're looking for a recommendation for what to watch at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning, turn into ESPNU, um, head down to uh, to the coffee shop, do a little drive through, swipe that Nebraska Land Day, Nebraska Land Bank, excuse me, uh, debit card. Get yourself uh, some snacks and some coffee and, and tune in on ESPNU and watch Coastal Carolina beat Georgia State. Uh, thoughts on this game from you guys? So for me, um, Georgia State has a very good rush defense, and that's what Coastal Carolina is also good as the rush offense. And so it'll be kind of a – um, a who breaks first type of deal. Do they go to the pass? Do they get get away from uh, what's been working for them? So they are 5-0. and uh, Last year, Georgia State won at Tennessee. And so they got kind of that idea that they can beat anybody at any given time. Um, last week's win for Coastal Carolina was their first win as a ranked team since they moved up to Division One, And so I feel like they're kind of – inching towards that Boise State, Appalachian State, uh, move up from the FCS and compete right away. Um, Appalachian State had like one year where they went four and eight or five and seven before they've consistently, you know, won eight, nine, 10, 11 games. Boise, uh, ever since they've moved up, you know, they had obviously the awesome 2000s um, where they were on the national stage. Uh, they beat a team last weekend, uh, Georgia Southern, who... 
you know, I think is kind of on the teeter if they if they can kind of stabilize like Coastal Carolina does is another threat that recently moved up from the SCS with a lot of uh, win percentage there. But you know, you kind of got to ride the chance. They you know they're five and zero. They're ranked number twenty. They're playing good defense. They they they're playing great offense. Put me down for the old Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Good choice. Yeah, nobody goes into Pebble Beach and, and beats the, <laughs> the chance. So I'm going with Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina for me as well. All right. So Coastal Carolina across the board. Our second game of the day is in that three o'clock window. Um, now that you have your 2.30 slot open, um, it is the Texas Longhorns at the number six ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys. Oklahoma State is a three-and-a-half point favor. Um, this is on Fox. Um, shoot, it, it's, it, to me it seems weird that Oklahoma State is a three-and-a-half point favorite. Um, for Oklahoma State, offensively, they have two quarterbacks who both are throwing over 70%. Uh, their starting quarterback got hurt in that first game against Tulsa, and their backup has come in and thrown for like 74%, which is which is pretty dang good. Um, last week against Iowa State, their starting quarterback, Spencer Sanders, I believe his name is, uh, came in and led them to a victory. Their running back, Chuba Hubbard, um, he's not quite as explosive as he has been in the previous years, um, but, you know, at the same time, uh, he – Teams are more prepared for him. Uh, they have Tylen Wallace out outside. He's one of the top receivers in the in the nation. Uh, he came back, so it kind of seems like offensively they should be clicking on all cylinders. Um, but we're we're learning a lot more about their defense. Uh, their defense held a pretty darn good Brock Purdy in check last week. Uh, Sam Sam Ellinger uh, comes this week for Texas and. You know, uh, he's kind of kind of reminds me about a lot of Brock Purdy. So it'll be interesting if the defense can kind of do the same to to Ellinger this week. Uh, Texas comes in at three and two. Uh, they lost to TCU in a kind of a weird ending where they fumbled it on the goal line and then um, gave it up late. And then they lost to OU in four overtimes a couple weeks ago. Uh, like I said, they're they're led by Sam Ellinger, uh, who's thrown for 1,400 yards. He's rushed for 293 yards. Uh, he is their leading, leading rusher, which uh, can kind of be a little bit alarming. Um, their receiver, Josh Moore, has 21 receptions for 328 yards. That's nine more receptions and 150 more receiving yards um, than any other receiver on the team, which kind of makes me nervous offensively for Texas if Oklahoma State can shut down um, the pass to Josh Moore. Now, Overall, Texas does have a 29 or 25 to 9 record lead over Oklahoma State. Uh, Texas did win last year, but Oklahoma State won the prior four uh, before that. Uh, Where'd you get that one, information from? Winzipedia. Oh, okay. It's my favorite new website. I wasted way too much time today at school on it. And so, uh, just again, useless information I'll never really need except for this podcast. Uh, but I, I struggle with this. Oh, podcast. it's not useless then. Well, it's for your your second profession. I like that. A second profession. We're yeah. professionals now. Right. Um, but, you know, Thanks Nebraska Land Bank for that. 
number one in our hearts. Uh, I struggle, though, seeing Oklahoma State number six. Uh, they have all the makings of maybe a top ten rating, but it's not the name brand OU, not the name brand Texas that we see. Um, Oklahoma State has obviously had top five teams in the past sporadically, um, but this is hard for me. I, I feel like I have to go with Oklahoma State just because they've been playing pretty darn good, but they haven't blown anybody out. There's a reason why they're they're back-to-back-to-back games of like three-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, I'll go Oklahoma State, but I'm, I don't feel great about it. I think the Big 12 in general is, is odd. Just a little, a little side note here. Do you guys think the winner of the Big 12 conference will be in the college football playoff? No. If you had to predict? No. Now, here's, the, here's my question for you. The Pac-12 is supposed to return next week, too. If they have the same Big Ten issue that the Big Ten's going through and that all gets wonky, if there's only five teams to pick from and two are the ACC, two are the SEC, and you have a two-loss, one-loss Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, I guess now Oklahoma they've lost twice, but Oklahoma State, I, I, I can't imagine them picking Oklahoma State over a Georgia or an Alabama or something weird like that. These are hard games to pick just because of the results so far in the, in the Big 12. Kansas State has the best record in the Big 12 right now. Was it 4-1, and 5-1? and one? Well, in conference, they're 4-0. and oh. So, I don't know. That's it. It's, why do you think that it's odd that Oklahoma State is a three-point favorite over Texas? Historically speaking, I think that's, I, that's part of my issue. The second part, they haven't looked great, really, against Tulsa week one, even though they had their starting quarterback hurt. Um, it kind of seemed like they were just playing around with Iowa State last week. They could have – they really controlled Iowa State's offense, but then they didn't really do anything defensive or offensively to combat that and to really put it away. Um, and so those games are the ones that you end up kind of blown at the end off a uh, dumb special teams error or, you know, a, a, a shot you don't need and – they just didn't have that happen yet, but I feel like Texas can get up for one game. You know, they beat Georgia last year in the bowl game. Uh, a couple of years ago, they upset somebody else, and for one game, if it matters more to them, they've got the guys. They just don't have the 10, 12-game slate to do it. Am I supposed to be the one that's picking? You'd like first? to. I mean, can I, like, wait till the end? I, I think the guy in last should go first. <laughs> Just a just a FYI for everyone, um, the uh, ESPN matchup predictor has this basically as a as a coin flip too. So, well, even at that, isn't it like forty eight fifty one towards Texas though? Towards Texas. Yeah, so like yeah. even that doesn't make you feel any better either. But yeah, I always think that's funny. Like I said last week, when when Vegas is is picking one way, and then the old matchup predictor or this or the standings are are picking another way. Um, did you guys notice Mike Gundy had his crew neck sweatshirt tucked into his khakis? Yep. Last week, I did. He's trying to be a grown up. He's changing. Or is he trying to be Harbaugh? Uh, I don't know if that's something you should hope to grow up to be. <laughs> Do you guys have any recommendations of who I should pick in this game? <laughs> I would pick the team that is orange. Oh, like kind of an ugly off orange color? Go with an orange team. Um, 
Shoot. I think I'm going to go with the team that's that's ranked higher and undefeated. I'm going to go with Oklahoma State, even though I kind of find them annoying at this point. Now, Danny, just so you know, you called this game on ESPN. They're calling it a coin flip. Just so you know, your winning percentage is actually a little less than what a <laughs> coin flip should actually be since we're not even picking against spread and you are under 500. All right. So I'll, get, I'll go with Vegas and I'll go with the rankings on this one. I'll go Oklahoma State. Brandon, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Well, I think Oklahoma State hasn't shown me that they can lose, and Texas has shown me they have a great ability to lose, and uh, especially in close games, and I think it's going to be a close game, so I'm going to go Oklahoma State. All right, Kyle, wrap us up here. Who you got? So you're all on the Cowboys, huh? We're doing this for you. I hope you know the wheels that. are turning. The color, the Cowboys. Yeah, to... I, I talked so glowingly last week about how I appreciated the Cowboys because I was always able to buy Oklahoma State gear, still get emails on their spam stuff about uh, their new equipment that they have or their, their new fan gear. But uh, when it comes to a game like this, and, and I know we've, we've talked a lot about the Big 12 just being – just everything that can go wrong will go wrong. So uh, the big 12 as a conference actually needs Oklahoma state to win some of these games. And so just going with the kind of the story of how the conference has gone, I'm, I'm actually picking Texas. Uh, part of me just views Oklahoma state is just like the little brother to Oklahoma and Texas where uh, they'll let them kind of, fight and play with each other every, every once in a while, but <clears throat> whenever they need, whenever they really need uh, a win, Texas can always just kind of stick their arm out and, and kind of keep Oklahoma's at, at bay or Oklahoma state at bay. Um, so yeah, I'll be the one man on, on this, on this Island. Uh, but I'm picking Texas just saying that the pedigree of Texas has to show, show up at some point. And so I don't know if they're good enough to, to have that show up at uh, at every game, but uh, what did Sam Ellinger say at the end of their Georgia win? Like, pretty much, hey, we're back, or saying like, hey, we're we're a force to be reckoned with. I think we we start to see that maybe this week. I guess for I, I'm glad that I wasn't the only one who could see both sides here. I was kind of nervous that as the Big 12 correspondent that I self-proclaim myself, um, that I could see Texas definitely win in this game, and I could see Oklahoma State barely nudging it out just because of kind of how ugly they played this year. And so I'm glad you guys could at least have my back in, in this struggle I've been facing today. Speaking of you as the Big 12 correspondent, it kind of makes me wonder now that we are a legitimate, like, uh, journalistic outfit, what does it take to get a press pass to, to some of these games? Like, I wonder if we we have, like, you know, official, you know, social media. We've got a really sweet logo. We've got a podcast that people listen to. Are we – could we be credentialed media and, like, start getting into press conferences and games and stuff? That would be fun. I don't know if COVID 
in the coronavirus time frame would be the first time to ask, but it would be cool to look into. We, yeah, I mean, we could push it. We could push that till next season, but something to think about. Maybe yeah. our next shirts have the logo, and on the back we just print press on it. <laughs> yeah, just and press. then we just assume we're okay and walk in. <laughs> have, a, have a badge that doesn't really say anything or mean anything. You just flip it and go by. Yeah. Brandon's going to have a master's from the University of Florida in, in journalism type of type of thing. So I think, honestly, I think we should look into this. If any listeners out there know anything about press credentials, um, shoot us an email at singsecond at gmail.com. Uh, singsecondpodcast at gmail.com. Okay. Yep. That's the contact. Or just like tell any one of us face-to-face when you're talking to us. <laughs> as long as you have a mask on, please. <laughs> yep. All righty. So our five o'clock matchup uh, is the number 25 ranked Boise State at Air Force. Uh, this is obviously Brandon's game uh, just by the nature of one of the uh, academies being the host. Um, I'm starting to wonder if Brandon's got some stock in the CBS Sports Network just simply because maybe of the nine weeks we've been doing this, one game has not been on the CBS Sport Network. And so it's got to be Brandon's like side side business here supporting the CBS Sports Network. So Brandon, uh, Boise State at Air Force, take it away. All right. So as many of you know, I'm pretty excited about uh, any of the military academy football teams and especially Air Force. I even made – here's a hashtag spoiler alert. Hopefully it gets here before – next week when we podcast, but I had, I used the old Nebraska land bank card. I went on to a online site from actually the state of Wisconsin of all places and made a purchase. And yeah. And I should have tried if I could uh, not have to pay taxes from it because I don't want to give that state a dime. But anyway, <laughs> I had to make this purchase and I'm just going to throw it out there. You know, I'm going to throw that out there and see if anybody can connect the dots from what on earth could a guy who's all excited about Air Force, what would he want to purchase from the state of Wisconsin that he would possibly wear during yeah, – I've said too much already. Said too much already. Mm. Anyway, uh, but I'm not here – well, I'm going to talk a little bit about Air Force, but that's not why I picked this game. I picked this game because for a long time, I was like Boise State. I like their blue field. I like the stories about how birds have died because they're flying over the stadium and they thought it was water and they crashed into it. Sorry, it's a tragic ending for the bird, but that's a great story. How how can you make that up? I love that people always say, man, we got to go all the way to Boise and play on that blue field. Jeez. I remember back in the LeGarrette Blunt days of Oregon, and they would play Boise. And I thought my – it was when HDTVs were just starting to get – become popular. And I thought maybe the colors were going to blow up my screen. And I couldn't wait to watch it. And uh, Boise State in 2007, maybe the best college football game I've ever watched in my entire life. And just seeing them go up against the Oklahoma Sooners. And, man, oh, they're in command. They're in command. Oh, Oklahoma came. Oh, man, now Oklahoma's going to win. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? What? Oh, man, now we're going in overtime. Oh, geez, what's going to happen? Oh, man. And then all of a sudden it's like, 
What? Statue of Liberty play to win the game? What? Ian Johnson now is going to go propose to his girlfriend? And live happily ever after? I mean, you could – Disney would be like, dude, that is so far-fetched. That, that that's not even real. That can't even happen. So for for the longest time, I bought their I bought their uh, documentary from that season. I have a bunch of stuff. I bought a polo probably like two nights after that, and was just like, man, the Boise freaking Broncos. Great helmets, great uniforms. Andy, did you have? Did you want to say something? No, I just uh, they changed the NCAA college football video game landscape because after they hit the look and hook and ladder after they did the statue of liberty guess what plays were in the old ncaa 2009 or 2008 or whatever it was the hook and ladder statue of liberty and who was a bruce gadowski or whatever was yeah he was on the cover yeah and then and then after that a year later or whatever appalachian state beats michigan i'm like all right they're finally going to bring the actual FCS teams back to – no, we're not going to do it. We're just going to still have FCS West and FCS East. And God dang it, EA, what's your freaking problem? <laughs> anyway, so I like Boise State. I tune in. A lot of times the games are late. They play in the Mountain West. So growing up in Laramie, even though Boise State obviously wasn't in the whack back then or the Mountain West, um, you know, they play a lot of teams that I would watch on TV when I was a kid. So Boise State, they're pretty cool. And when they came back last week, I was pretty fired up looking at the cool uniforms. God dang. Sometimes they have that huge horse head on one side and the number on the other. That's sweet, man. That is sweet. They turn out a lot of good coaches. And when you watch them, they're like a professional a professional NFL team in the style that they run. They're physical. They're tough. And when they came out last week, I was excited to watch them play. They uh, ended up winning big over Utah State. They won 42-13. to They looked pretty solid. They have this wide receiver, Khalil Shakir. Their fans were excited how explosive he looked. They have a running back, George Halani. The fans were excited how good he looked. They have a quarterback, Hank Backmeyer. The fans were excited how well he looked. They weren't as excited about Hank. (laughs) Last year, he was a true freshman, and he looked lost, but he was slinging the ball all over the field. So as a true sophomore, Hank Backmeyer is a stud. Batchmeer. (laughs) Batchmeer. You know, he's fearless. And they don't have to throw the ball real well. They build everything off their own so much. Play action's good. I like their scheme. I like almost everything there is to like about Boise State. And, uh, yeah, they look pretty good. They're 1-0. Solid. Solid job. I didn't know how they would look coming back after the long layoff as well. Uh, They played against Air Air Force this week. And Air Force, who I picked to sweep – all the teams for the commander in chief. And then the last second in a, in a whole blanket of emotions covering me up, I decided at the last second to go with Navy because air force had every reason to lose that game. They even had more reasons that I hadn't even thought of. 
And then they play the game and they blow out Navy. I don't know what kind of a team Navy is, to be honest, anymore. I'm done trying to figure them out. Air Force, I don't know what kind of team that is anymore. I'm done trying to figure them out. I thought they had the game under their belt. They had the big win versus versus Navy, and and now they're playing San Jose State last week. And then they lose 6-17. to 17. Part of the reason why they lost is because Mountain West officials didn't understand the rule of football that when you cross over the goal line, it's a freaking touchdown. When you go over the goal line, it's a touchdown. And then when you do it again and, it's a, and you go over the second time, that should be a touchdown. I mean, I, I don't understand what those officials were doing. They suck. And if I was a Mountain West fan, I'd be like, man, this, this is terrible. These guys, these officials – I like the Kevin Warren of uh, officials. <sighs> so there's not much to say about Air Force. Um, Daniels, their quarterback, he scored a touchdown. He should have scored two. And uh, they lost the game. And I don't know what the deal was with that stadium in San Jose State, but they eliminated – their problems about worrying about fans being in in there for covid they just took out half the freaking stadium i don't know it's just like this big dirt area all cleared out anyway so air force station or something I, I don't know i don't know what's going on i didn't look it up. like dirt. maybe so air force is sitting at one and one boise state sitting at one and oh and uh, Boise State's just going to – they're going to throttle Air Force. Maybe blast them back to the Stone Age, you know. They're going to bruise and batter Air Force so bad, I don't know if they'll be mentally ready to play Army the following week. And here's another stat. This is, a, this is an Andy stat here that, that Kyle's going to love. You, know, you want to know why else that uh, – that Boise's going to win. Since 2009, Boise State is undefeated when they play on Halloween. Haven't lost a game since before 2009 playing on Halloween. Well, guess what Saturday is? Halloween. <laughs> well, to be fair, though. Weekend Halloween. Is that, is that, is that like 2-0, and 3-0 oh, and oh, if they play on a Friday or they – maybe a random Thursday because you have a lot of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays in a nine year span there. They've won two games. Okay. They played on Halloween twice since then. But I was trying to make it sound a lot more impressive, you know, don't ruin, the, don't ruin a good story with the truth. Yeah. Come on, man. It's how I'm you sorry. spin it. It's how you spin it. It sounded cool until you thought about it. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you guys remember a while back when like Thursday night games we're starting to be a thing, and I feel like Nebraska played Miami on Halloween on a Thursday night sometime. If anyone remembers that game, it'd probably be Kyle. So just give me a nod, yes or no, if you want to pursue this conversation. I remember Thursday, they, no. they played Missouri yeah. on a Thursday too. If I was that not correctly, yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, was that a was that Halloween? That was an extremely different time, Danny, than remember. Miami. I don't remember. It was in the yeah, fall. No. <laughs> All right. They weren't anyway. doing spring football back. No, it might have been Halloween. I don't know. 
But, yeah, I think Boise State's going to win big, obviously. I just am excited to watch it because blue is one of my favorite colors. Both teams wear blue. And Boise State's going to Air Force. And I want to see how Air Force bounces back or if they don't bounce, if it's just a thud on the ground. And, and yeah, I I just want a reason to watch Boise State again. And they're playing Air Force. So I actually didn't pick this game because of Air Force. I picked it because of Boise State. What do you guys think? I mean, it sounds like you're excited about Boise State. Yep. Let the Broncos buck. No, I'm with you. I remember that. I remember that game too, and the and the proposal. That was just quite a. It was an epic thing. I think we might have had a conversation about that a while back on the pod. Um, but in the in the position I'm in, I think I just have to pick the favorites this week and. Boise being a 14-point favorite, uh, absolutely going with them. Uh, you mentioned a couple of the late games that I talked about last week on the pod also, and I'll just let you guys know that I was not up for the late, late, late last weekend. So I haven't checked on, on what, the, uh, what the nightcap games are this week, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot, see if I can stay up late this week. But Boise State, 14-point favorite, that's my pick. Boom. Okay. Uh, for me, uh, I was kind of looking at Air Force's schedule because I want to see kind of what Brandon said. They looked so good against Navy and then had a clunker against San Jose State. Now, obviously, there's a couple weeks off in, in between there, and maybe that kind of messed with them a little bit. But they have Army next week. If they beat Army next week, they solidify the old Commander-in-Chief trophy, correct, Brandon? Yeah, yeah they do. So – so then I was like, well, shoot, after that, they've got Wyoming, a pretty decent regional game, uh, Mountain West regional game. Then New Mexico, maybe not so much of a, a potential rival there, but then Colorado State, Utah State. So this is the meat of their schedule where Army is a no-brainer. They're going to get up and fight for Wyoming, uh, you know, pretty regional matchup in Colorado State two weeks later. And so this could be maybe, uh, yeah, we, we want to beat Boise State, but we've got to beat army we've got to beat the wyomings we got to beat the colorado states and so that's where i was at until i looked at boise's schedule and boise plays byu next week and byu sitting at number what number seven in the old uh top 25 and so are they looking past air force because if they knock off byu they they're, they're going to skyrocket or they at least have the argument to skyrocket because byu's looked untouchable um so with that in mind i still I'm going to take Boise State because they they clearly have looked like the better team. Kyle? Yeah, I'm going Boise State. I know Brandon mentioned when he was a Oregon fan and Oregon playing Boise State. One of my one of my favorite memories is after <laughs> Boise State beat Oregon at Boise State that one year and LeGarrette like, yeah, Blount punched the dude right in the chin right on national TV. It's a Scott Frost moment in there too. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll always remember that. But, no, Boise State all the way in this one. I can always remember uh, the old Idaho Potato Bowl was one of the first bowl games in bowl season every year. And that was, like, the first game that was on when Christmas break started. And I can remember, for some reason, getting up at 11 a.m. and watching that blue turf, knowing nothing about why Boise State had a blue turf. But that's one of those deals you just can't uh, – you won't – forget from from childhood also remember when you had to 
specifically wake up at 11 a.m. too. That's another thing from childhood, sleeping yeah. in. <laughs> I got to set my alarm for that 11 a.m. kickoff. Those were the days. Those were the days. Our last game is a 6.30 matchup. Um, it's Kyle's game of the week. He kind of seems to have the primetime game every week. Um, it's number three, Ohio State, at number 18, Penn State. Kyle, what do you got for us? I'm sure when, when Brandon gets his time to to talk about this one, he might mention the, a bromance that Nebraska fans might be having or had with Ohio State fans. Um, I I honestly would probably fall victim to that. I did think it was uh, it was kind of cool when Nebraska and Ohio State is kind of arm in arm saying, "Hey, we want this to uh, to happen," and then as it would be, Ohio State goes on and uh, pours a touchdown late in the fourth quarter, late, late in the fourth quarter, and then Scott Frost goes and calls a timeout with two seconds left to run one more play. Uh, But regardless, when you look at Ohio State and Penn State, uh, kind of the two teams that you would would almost pick to be kind of the leaders of the Big Ten for this year, uh, Penn State comes off a – I don't know. I would call it a pretty embarrassing loss to to Indiana in week one. Uh, had that not happened, this game I think would have been obviously even more hyped because theoretically you would have had two top ten teams going at it in Penn State. Um, but to me, uh, over the last uh, year or so, I just I feel like Ohio State is – it's kind of a, a professional level team in terms of just how much talent they have all across the field. Um, their defense has kind of taken a step back. Maybe they don't have the same kind of run game that they did last year. But honestly, when you have Justin Fields in the receiving core that they do, I don't know if you need any of that stuff. So I'm taking Ohio State uh, just because I'm just kind of buying into the into the myth that they are one of the best two to three teams. I know when when Danny asked if the Big Ten or if the Big 12 was going to have a team in the playoffs, essentially three of the four spots are already taken because you think Alabama, you think Ohio State, and you throw in Clemson, that's three of the four. There's probably ten teams I would rather see in there into that fourth spot than anything that we've seen in the Big Ten or – out of the Big 12. So uh, I was almost going to say that I just after watching one week of Big 10 football, I'd pick – I'd take two SEC teams and two Big 10 teams in the in the semifinals and, and call it good. But I, I kind of forgot about uh, Clemson as they're rolling the, the JV team. team the nation. As they're rolling the JV teams in the ACC by 60 points, and Dabo is running up to score. So, uh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Ohio State, and I'm gonna take them convincingly. Wow. So one week you've got Nebraska beating Ohio State. <laughs> Nebraska who hasn't been to a bowl game in ages, and this week Ohio State's a professional team who no one can beat. <laughs> Kind of connects the dots. I, I, I don't know what to think about Ohio State. I know that they're probably going to be contending for a national championship, and 
I'd be curious, actually. So if that if the Penn State game goes the other way and like Penn State wins by a point in overtime, what would the point spread of this game be? Because it's I think it's around twelve for Ohio State right now. Yeah, Ohio State's by twelve. I'd I'd say if Penn State's one and zero right now, it's eight and a half, nine and a half. Yeah, and what? And they're probably top ten because yeah, were they eight going into last week? I think they're 18 right now. So I think even like even considering that, I still think it'd be a Ohio State is a significant favorite. Um, Penn State just I mean they they looked like a good football team, but they didn't look anywhere near like you're saying where Ohio State's at right now. So being in last place, right, Andy? Am I in last place? Sole possession of last place. Being in sole possession of last place, I have to go with the favorites this week, and I am going with Ohio State, the Buckeyes. At some point, Danny, don't the you have to go the other way? Professional team, Ohio State. Don't you have to go the other way, though, if you're wanting to catch up? Well, I'm picking first. I don't know what you guys are going to pick. So since I have to pick first, I have to pick the favorites. I, I tried going the other way for the past seven weeks, and look where it's gotten me. As I've been informed, sole possession of last place. So trying something a little bit different here. All right. Brandon, your your pick here, Ohio State, Penn State. I do have a little soft spot for Penn State is my high school government teacher, Mr. Rich Yeaman. Uh was a huge Penn State fan back in the day and gave me a hard time every day for being a Husker fan. I remember after Nebraska went in a Fiesta Bowl, sneaking into his classroom and hiding uh, tortillas all over his room with the score <laughs> written on them and uh, all that. That's clever. Yeah, thanks. And so uh, I don't know if this ever finds its way to oh, Mr. Yeaman. Hope you're good. Hope uh, for your case that Penn State and Nittany Lions win this one in big fashion. I have this picture in my classroom. It's a Christmas card from him. He happened to actually run into uh, Joe Paterno back in the day when he was going to a game, but it, he didn't see him at the game, and he got a picture with him. So I have this picture in my classroom that has those two, and it says, Merry Christmas, from Rich and Joe Pa. And it's kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, Ohio State's just too good. They're – they run up to score. They're jerks. I still hate them. I, just because I'm picking Ohio State, you Ohio State fans, I still don't like you. It's kind of like at the end of Top Gun. You're dangerous, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm going with Ohio State. Questions to you football coaches. Is there, like, are there players on your football team that don't know how to set up to kneel the ball? Like, is that a legit, legit excuse where he's like, we didn't have the right personnel. I didn't trust that they'd be able to kneel the ball. Like, are we buying that or no? And I don't honestly don't care. Like, like Frost said, like, if we don't want the score to be what it is, be better. But is that a legit thing or is that just lame saying we don't – our players, I guess, weren't the right combination to stand there, snap it, and let the quarterback kneel down. I, I got a quick story on that. As far as the kids I coach, hopefully we do we do practice it once or uh, once or twice a season uh, as a football coach. When I was in high school, I was a, when I was a freshman, I was 
not a very good football player, but I was our team's backup quarterback. What was the high school? Uh, Cody Kilgore. Eight-man football. ESPN theme. Yeah. Oh. And anyways, uh, it was our homecoming game. It was actually the first time that our school had won a homecoming game in a long time, apparently. And I was getting mop-up duty here, and we were kind of uh, kind of pinned down close to our 10-yard line. And we ran a couple of plays. And then uh, we go in, and the coach is like, okay, we're going to kneel it. And so I just go to the huddle. I was like, all right, we're going to kneel it. We break the huddle. Uh, we, For whatever reason, we still had pretty much like our starting. I know we had our starting center in there. Uh, he was a he was a junior when I was a freshman. Uh, his name's Logan, and as I'm as I'm going under center, I can't remember what we used to say, but down, ready, set, go, and I don't get the ball, and I'm like, what's going on here? And as soon as I say ready, set, go, and I'm not getting the ball, I start to feel my center move, <laughs> and my center starts to kneel the ball. <laughs> so I'm just standing there and again I'm just a freshman and I do whatever freshmen do and I'm like kind of freaking out I'm like what are we doing like <laughs> and so we get a false start <laughs> because our center kneeled it on his own and we get backed up so now like when I'm kneeling it I'm almost kneeling in getting our getting a safety here and for as long as I live, I will never forget him not understanding what it meant to kneel the ball at the end of the game. He thought so he did it. So basically, Ryan Day is saying that he believes that his, the center that he had in the game yeah. was Cody Kilgore's junior center Logan, from yeah, Logan, Logan Barnes. Logan. Uh, yep. And, I, and, he, I, and he chose to have this kid on his team. Yep. I even think it's funny when, when teams kneel the ball – and they have to do it out of shotgun because they can't trust the the center QB exchange. Well, well, hang on, Brandon. While we're talking about kneeling, you guys that play fantasy football, you ever been upset when you when you have the quarterback and he gets the snap and he backs up three yards and kneels it? Well, I had Justin Herbert uh, going last weekend, and they started the kneeling stuff, and so I was talking to my son who's kind of getting into fantasy football, like, oh come on, now we're starting to kneel the ball. This means I'm going to lose yards. You know what Justin Herbert did? He took the snap, walks forward a yard, and kneels it down. Like, that guy has to know something about fantasy football because he's kind of looking around smiling, walks forward a yard, and kneels it. He started himself. Yeah. I mean, he had, he was kind of laughing about it, looking around. Like, he obviously knew that he – Either that or he cares a lot about, like, his own rushing yard stats and he didn't want to lose some rushing yards. But he definitely moved forward and kneeled the ball, which I thought was awesome. So, anyway, I can't remember where we're at in the proceedings of our – Well, Brent, what did you have, Brandon? Um, so, I was just going to say, when I coached and when I – especially at the freshman level, when I – when we first started doing the – air raid the Tony Franklin air raid offense you know and then just getting that first year center used to the shotgun snap and everything and 
So then when we did our kneels, like for that first year when we did it, we'd be in the shotgun and we'd be like in the blue formation where, you know, basically I have both backs down there and then we'd kneel it down. And I remember you could hear parents griping at us. Ah, geez, you can't vote. Yeah, I was like, we haven't taken a snap from under center all season. Man, there's no way we're going <laughs> to risk it right now. We were up by like two or three points and just trying to get out of there. And it was like when the – and then, I mean, the snap was good and everything, but so it all worked out. But And then later we actually – you know, at the varsity level and stuff, we kneeled under center. But those first few games, like where we had a close lead at freshman, it was like, just get the snap, man. Just get the snap. Oh. <clears throat> All right. So back to the old game here. Um, if there's something that kind of makes me nervous about Ohio State going forward and kind of that national playoff picture uh, is the fact that their running game was almost non-existent. And Nebraska has been known the last couple of years to give up like six yards per rush. And if it wasn't fields, they weren't really going anywhere. Uh, they have Trey Sermon, who's an OU transfer. He had 11 rushes for 48 yards. Uh, Master Teague, who may be the all-name team captain there, um, had 12 carries for 41 yards. And, and fields had 54 yards rushing. So he led the Buckeyes in rushing. Um, and that makes me nervous just because usually quarterbacks, um, if, if they're rusher and not named Army, st stuff, uh, stuff's usually not gonna, going to go well against, you know, some of those uh, big SEC, ACC opponents. Uh, but they do have wide receivers galore. I mean, Olave looked great. Wilson looked great. They have a true freshman, uh, Smith in Jigba who had that sweet catch where he's like falling sideways and stuck out that toe that for, for a freshman, that was pretty amazing. Um, you know, I feel like Ohio state's going to win pretty big over Penn state uh, because like Ohio state, their quarterback Clifford is also Penn state's leading rusher. He had like 115 yards rushing against Indiana. Uh, their starting running back journey Brown opted out who is supposed to be one of the top running backs in this class and their second, uh, string running back Noah Kane also got hurt. So they're, they're down to their third string running back here um, against Ohio State. And so um, obviously Penn State's going to be pretty angry and playing at home, uh, but Ohio State's got to be got to be rolling in this one. So a quick little recap here. Um, we've got four games again, like we've said. The first one, Coastal Carolina. We all took the chance. The second one, Texas-Oklahoma State, is the only game where we had anybody pick differently. Uh, Kyle picked Texas. The rest of us picked Ohio, Oklahoma State. Uh, Air Force and Boise was the next game, and we all picked the away team, Boise State. And then lastly, Ohio State-Penn State, and we all picked Ohio State. So a good week for us to game. Or Kyle – gets his lead, uh, extends his lead by one game. And so it's kind of a, a week where we just didn't have kind of the crazy matchups that we did last week for sure. So just real quick, though, had Nebraska and Wisconsin been playing, who are, who are you destined to pick? Danny, starting with you. Uh, are we, is, is it given that uh, Wisconsin would have been to like their fourth quarterback? 
Yeah, even if it was uh, yeah, like, like even if it was just their their guy who started last week was out. Um, I would have picked Wisconsin, but if their starter and the and the next guy were out, I would have I would have considered picking Nebraska. So, team would have had to be on their fourth string quarterback for you to think about picking your favorite team to win. Yeah, yeah. What a fan. I mean, just because they're my favorite team doesn't mean that they're going to win. All my all my favorite teams are lose a lot, so I'm used to it. <laughs> well, at a certain point, though, I guess my whole point with, like, it's not like these picks really matter, and it's not like you've really been doing good anyways. You might as well be trying to send your send your favorite team some good vibes. I don't think my good vibes are doing anything for, for anybody. <laughs> Makes sense. Brandon, who would you have picked? They, they, get, they get me through the day, and that's about it. I would have gone with the Sons of Nebraska. Butler? Wisconsin. I made, I've made so much more money betting against Nebraska than I ever have betting for Nebraska. <laughs> I wish oh. I was wearing my COVID mask so I could hide my disgust right now. I got to yep. tell you. Nebraska, Nebraska with any point spread always loses. Like that, like if you wanted to make money and you were a gambler, you should always bet against Nebraska. That's that's pretty much fact. What's their record yeah. on Halloween? That'd be a good <laughs> thing to know. <laughs> sure, wins a PDA could figure it out. Their record this year on Halloween is no contest. It's one and zero. And and Brandon's personal record book. Yeah, no, I, honestly, we've we've fired Kevin Warren and we've labeled uh, we've labeled Wisconsin coward. So on, that that's good enough for me. And took away Barry Alvarez's status as a guy who's, who's a Nebraskan, even though he wasn't a Nebraskan. But he says, "I'm proud to say I come from Nebraska." Yeah, honestly, how time that's taken away. He's been he's been coasting on that for a long time, or we've just yep. been giving him that status for a long time. So thank you for revoked. Now you did your you did you did a civic duty as well. Thank you, thank you. Uh, by by revoking that. So, Kyle, good job on your civic duty, and Brandon, good job on yours. Um, Andy and I will continue to look for ways to uh, to make this world we live in a little bit better place. We just haven't done it yet. Yeah, yeah. So as we wrap up, like we always do, extra points. Um, anybody have any extra points this week? Uh, I just want to bring back something that I mentioned earlier. I'm just going to read a little something here. Uh, Champion of excellence from the South Dakota Hall of Fame. Bob Barker was born in Darrington, Washington, but spent most of his youth on the Rosebud Indian Reservation in Mission, South Dakota. His mother, Matilda, was a school teacher, county superintendent of schools for Todd County, and wrote a history of the state for South Dakota sixth graders. So I just want to say, I think I'm vindicated with my, my Bob Barker take from earlier in the, in the pod. Hmm. Makes sense. Real quick, before we get out of here, uh, a little p- piece of note that kind of came across last night late, uh, Southern Miss, uh, one of those that I always kind of feel is one of the top, group of five teams or at least has been in the past with a powerful offense and a good enough defense to, to win nine games pretty often. Um, other than 2012 when they went 0-12, oh 
Um, but I always feel Southern Miss is kind of one of those, you know, pure group of five schools that has a chance to upset some teams. Uh, granted, they have a winning record against teams in the ACC, the teams in the American, the teams in the Mountain West, and teams in the Conference USA. So they do pretty well against uh, the ACC. Granted, they played like five games against the ACC opponents, but um, all those other conferences is going on their third coach in less than two months. They, uh, their first head coach or the original head coach going into this year, Jay Hobson resigned after a week one loss to South Alabama, which was like one of the only games that day. And so it was like prime time kickoff and they, they didn't look good at all. Then his replacement uh, was Scotty Walden, uh, who uh, was the youngest head coach at 26 a couple years ago for East Texas Baptist. It's a D3 school, um, but he was the offensive coordinator. He's very much more of a, um, a offensive guru, if you would. He's kind of that next, that next big hire. At least that's kind of what they've been saying. He went to Dort. Uh, he was a Dort defender, so a little GPAC live there um, for a year, and then he ended up going like Division Two or something like that. Um, but he just accepted a head coach job at Austin P and is it leaving immediately. And so the defensive coordinator, Tim Billings is taking over him over for him. Um, he's kind of an older coach. He had a six year head coach stint at Southeast Missouri state, uh, which is in the same conference as North Dakota state and South Dakota state, stuff like that. So he's coached against pretty darn good competition. Um, never really getting over a huge hump there, but uh, Southern miss, Three head coaches in uh, in seven weeks there, and they're one in one in five to show for it. So uh, I can't feel for those players uh, because of the the constant chaos they've been kind of under, and hopefully they can figure something out long term. That's that's unfortunate. I'm pretty sure I read that the Austin P guy didn't he get COVID and decide he couldn't even coach. That's why there yeah. was a vacancy there. Well, last week he last week he. Well, Austin Peay's head coach was resigned for some interesting stuff. Um, but Scotty Walden had COVID two weeks ago, and so he didn't coach this last week against Liberty and then got the head coach job this week. And so kind of a crazy timeline for him as well. Uh, the ultimate get-out-of-town card there, COVID, and then new job right after that. But anyway, crazy times as we, as we head into week nine of college football. Uh, we'd like to, again, thank you for checking us out. Pass the good word on to those who are non-sing second pod listeners. Uh, let's keep growing this, uh, this brand. Um, and follow us on, on uh, Twitter at sing second, on Instagram at, Instagram at sing second pod. And always remember to sing second. Sing second.